I just recently submitted and defended my PhD um, and the Gaelic for Girls programme, it's based on the Gaelic for Girls programme and Gaelic for Girls actually is an existing programme run by the Ladies Gaelic Football Association. So I think they've been running the programme now like since 2008, 2009, um, but there had there had been no evidence base behind the programme. So the programme kind of targets girls from 8 to 12 years and it's like a tool essentially to attract girls coming into the clubs and to kind of keep them involved and introduced into the ladies football environment and in, in the club setting. And um, so where my research kind of comes in was I put that kind of evidence base behind the Gaelic for Girls programme to try and kind of give girls that positive experience of ladies football, but also kind of help develop, you know, habits, positive habits so that they'll stay involved um, in sport and in ladies football. And so I actually did my PhD in the sports studies and physical education department in UCC um, the last few years. Thankfully, I got it over the line. But um, it was very interesting because I suppose one thing that I'm, I'm really passionate about myself um, is just it was the dropout rate in, in sport for girls. Uh, it's really, really high at the moment and it's quite worrying. Um, and I suppose programmes like Gaelic for Girls are just so important to kind of put that evidence base behind it so that they can be improved so that essentially then more girls you know will hopefully stay involved in the club and will get that positive experience of football but not just football like it's kind of more than that too it's you know my project kind of hit off well-being as well and you know things like self-esteem self-confidence um fundamental movement skills so these basic skills that are kind of directly linked to participation in sport um, and kind of again promoting these things um, within the Gay for Girls program and I suppose my research got a really positive response and um, I kind of I suppose I assessed like my I, I tailored the program essentially and um, the program is kind of broken into three parts so there's one part the main part is for the participants for the girls and then you have a coach education part and then you have obviously the parents. So it's kind of almost like a triad. Um, and you're trying to merge those three so that, you know, girls can, can stay involved and playing. So my research kind of hit off those three components as well. Um, and it was really positive. So, you know, I found some really positive findings and things that can be brought into ladies football, but also into other sports as well. And you were coming up with different sessions each day for quite a while. Did you find it hard to keep coming up with well, I suppose last last um, March when we kind of hit lockdown and things like that, um, I decided then. So the Gaelic for Girls is actually separate to um, that was actually my research, and as I said, I, I just kind of tailored an existing program. But I suppose when lockdown, the first lockdown hit uh, last March, um, you know, the, everything was at a standstill. Every, every the whole country thought it was only going to be two weeks initially. Um, and then, you know, 
GA, sport, everything stopped. So I just felt because my research focuses on girls and promoting girls in sport, I just felt the need to kind of develop just little short video clips that I could try and keep that positive momentum going for sport and ladies football, especially for girls, because, you know, girls like that fun aspect. They like that social social interaction aspect as well. So I kind of thought to myself, right, you know, what if I just put up some skills and drills, you know, every day of the week? So I had like Monday, fun day, Target Tuesday, workout Wednesday. I did a bit of Tai Chi on Thursday. And then I did Fitness Friday. Um, and again, initially, I had only intended to do a week or two. But then, obviously, when lockdown extended, I decided to keep up with the videos. Um, and I got a really positive response from parents, from some of the girls, from coaches. That really just helped kind of add that element of excitement um, when football wasn't going on as well. So I kind of just used to do, you know, hand passenger drills. I used to do, as I said, a bit of Tai Chi to change things up with a football. Um, and again, just kind of think outside the box and do these short clips to encourage girls to practice the skills. And um, just with a ball and a wall, like they could do it outside their garden, out in their estate, wherever they're living. Um, and again, it, it's that kind of skill-based confidence I was trying to develop, but also the fun aspect and keep the motivation going for girls because of the dropout rate. And with COVID-19 coming in the next few months, whenever it gets back, we could see across both, I suppose, at boys' and girls' level, at underage level, that there could be a major dropout because people haven't played it in so long. Absolutely, yeah. And actually, that's quite worrying, really, when you, when you think about it. I think in general, I know for girls, it's one and two are kind of dropping out, coming into the adolescence period. And I know it's, Actually, the, the figures would be quite similar for, for boys as well, not just girls. Um, and boys would drop out for similar reasons as well as girls. But I think, um, yeah, I think it's, it's just with the, the lack of, of football hurling, you know, sport in general, I think the training sessions and that, that social environment is so, so important for particularly younger players. Um, and like they're, they're being essentially starved of, of that at the moment with, with lockdowns and whatnot but um, yeah I do think that we probably will see hopefully not but I do think there will be um, a higher dropout rate as a result of Covid and as a result of the lockdowns unfortunately just because of that support structure is missing Um, I know like coaches and stuff are, are doing things maybe online and doing Zoom kind of classes and things like that but I just personally think it's not the same and um, being in that environment and being around people um, training and things like I remember even there and like you know when I was training with the the court ladies um we were training last year and we played Donegal and then two days later just everything ceased to be and like I even struggled to with not not being training with my teammates and kind of just training on my own and I struggled with a bit of motivation at the start to try and you know be accountable all the time and things so like if, if you're struggling if people are struggling you know some of my teammates were as well Kind of in terms of motivation and if that's kind of at an elite GA level I can only imagine sub players and I can only imagine youth the youth struggling in terms of motivation to train um, I even see it with my brother as well my brother plays hurling um, and like you know some of his friends as well and just kind of that age cohort kind of 19, 20, 21 years of age as well um, they kind of need to be pushed when they're when they're kind of that transition period from like coming out of minor 
under 21 kind of up to senior level and things like that as well it's that age group as well that kind of need that motivation and need that extra bit of support so yeah I do think to answer your question I do think unfortunately we will probably see um a drop rate maybe a bit higher than, than other years just because of you know COVID and, and, and what has happened in the last year and people have probably seen across social media you're a huge advocate to keep girls in sports it, to keep girls in sports is it really trying to keep it somewhat competitive but at the same time it's not all about winning and it has to be enjoyable really I think I think balance is key, really. I think, you know, when I look at girls and like from my own research and from the research that's out there, thousands of studies, you know, on girls and the motivators and the barriers, why they're staying involved, why they're dropping out. And one of the, the key motivators that's coming across in, you know, all research, the main kind of theme and the main motivator would be that of like fun and friendship. And I think like some coaches and some kind of like teachers and some parents you know, and uh, like players themselves get confused that like, but you're like, I'm not coming here to have fun. Like I want to better myself and I want to win the game. I want to win the county. I want to win, you know, the All-Ireland or whatever. But like the, the key thing is that you can, you can do both, you know, and I think it's about merging the fun and merging the competitive. One, one big barrier for girls particularly is the competitive nature of the game. That's why some girls are dropping out. Um, but then ironically, on the other side, they're staying involved because it's fun. So I think like just in terms of like coaching girls and in terms of like maybe being a girl, you're like training, like it is so important to have fun. And I know from my own experience, like even at Cork Senior Ladies Football Training, like the sessions that I get the most out of, obviously they're hard. Obviously I come off the pitch and I'm absolutely knackered. But at the same time, we had a bit of fun, you know, we might have had a fun kind of team challenge game at the end or we, we that element of competition added some fun and it kind of got, you know, the social interaction going a bit more in the training session. So when I say fun, fun is a very broad kind of elusive concept. It's like, oh, but your fun is just sitting down and like having a laugh and doing nothing. No, it's actually not. You can have fun and you can be competitive at the same time. And I think for girls particularly, it's about getting the balance there you know you don't want it too fun that they're not doing anything but you don't want it too competitive that they're lacking confidence that they won't turn up to the next session um I spoke recently I spoke recently about um like that that kind of creation that that environment that feel kind of environment in in training and I think it does boil down to that um, I you, I know that saying where it says like you'll forget what people said and you forget what people did but you'll always remember how people made you feel and I think that's very relevant to sport because that feel good factor and that kind of having fun, like enjoying it it's not not so much kind of just having the laugh and doing nothing else it's more like feeling good about yourself that you've worked hard in the training session but you've also like you're leaving with that smile on your face and you're leaving knowing that like that was a good training session I got the best out of myself and I also had fun with the girls and um, so I think that's important to kind of ingrain in coaches kind of ethos and you know even just to let girls be aware of that too that you know it is about getting the best out of yourself and being the best footballer or camogie player or hurler or whatever athlete you are but at the same time like you need to feel good about yourself and you, like coaches need to cr help create that environment to feel good because like we all know if you feel good in your own body and if you, you feel confident 
you're going to play at your best and you're going to be, you know, at one and at ease and you're you're going to be in the zone, as they say, on the pitch. Um, and that's what you want. You know, we want players to feel good about themselves in their own skin and, you know, feel good, feel wise and feel good emotionally um, and have that kind of feel good factor. And I've seen you being involved in the GPA. Do you feel yourself that the GPA have been a massive support for ladies football in general? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. The the Women's um, Gaelic Players Association has been set up over the last few years. Um, and to be fair to them, they've done like significant work in terms of kind of just, you know, looking after our needs as players and kind of giving players a voice. Um, and that's kind of the main mission of the, the WGPA is that, like, you know, it's all about kind of giving players a voice and allowing us to kind of express our opinions. And, you know, if, we, if, if there's need for change, etc., um, and they've done a fantastic job and, you know, there's loads of support systems now available. Um, you know, there's counselling services, nutrition services, um, like they link in with Satanta College, they link in with loads of different kind of services and organisations. And um, I really do feel that like that's what you need. And I know it's, I see it in, in my own research, but also for girls and for women particularly, that support structure is so essential, you know, whether it's a service, whether it's just, um, I suppose, an opportunity to, to just talk and communicate and express how you feel about X, Y, and Z. That's so important. And the WGPA kind of, you know, they allow that and, and they, they, they that opportunity is there with the WGPA. Um, I know there's kind of like talks of like merging it with the with the, the men's side as well, which is a really fantastic positive step. Um, and they're always pushing for funding as well for us and you know as of recently only the last two three years um the wgpa have um, really pushed government funding for ladies football and for camogie in ireland particularly in the ga context and gaelic games um, and now we're getting you know money every club is allocated or sorry every county is allocated money for like nutrition services for strength and conditioning for physio or food like for or not for food sorry but for all of the kind of extra add-on services that you need and that probably should be expected for for sport because like the men the men have been getting all of those for years so you know it's it's about time that we're actually getting basic kind of necessities that we that help us when we're training and when we're playing games but yeah look I suppose all in all I think the WGPA and the GPA are very supportive of women in sport as well and particularly ladies football and camogie they're really pushing that and they're kind of giving us opportunities to have our voice out there and to kind of like advocate change as well. And as well, like I've seen in an earlier article you mentioned about, like we've seen this year, the expenses for women really across ladies football, they've only been at a minimum really covered. And now in CORTA you see Sports Direct coming in as for the men, like it, it must be annoying in one sense because like, with the court ladies footballer football footballers you must be crying out for some sort of funding. Um well like to be fair, look, I mean, I know like I always bring it back to like, you know, we're playing because like we want to play and like anything else should be a bonus. But like I suppose like really when you think of it, when you compare it to the men, like obviously they have been getting, you know, petrol expenses, food, um, just they've been looked after like over, you know over the last few years or whatever. And I suppose it is kind of gutting when you see that. And, you know, particularly, 
the success as well that we've had over the years, you know, playing with Cork and stuff. Um, like just basic things like having food after training or like, you know, even petrol expenses and things like that. Um, obviously, like, you know, we have been been playing and training without all of those. And like, I, I, I reiterate, like I play because I love playing. Um, and I, you know, it, it is essentially like part of your life and, you, you know, you're, you're, you're making that sacrifice or whatever to be there. But at the same time, like, like cost and things like that. And I, I, I know from my own research and from other research that for girls, particularly cost um, can actually be a barrier for some girls um, and for, for men as well, that like it can get in the way of, you know, your, your mindset, your well-being, you know, if, if people are struggling financially like that, some people are, are traveling, you know, 200 kilometers plus to training and stuff three times a week. Like, so you have to kind of think of it that way too. But like, look, I don't want to be a negative Nelly about it, but um, I, I, I am grateful that, you know, we have been looked after in Cork, to be fair, over the last few years. Um, and with the with the funding from, you know, the WGP and stuff, we've, we've been able to access more services. So we've been able to access, like, things like video analysis, and the conditioning, um, you know, extra, like, physio sessions, hydrotherapy kind of sessions, so things that we wouldn't have been able to kind of access before. Um, I kind of look back now and kind of think in terms of like the food, which is like a massive necessity for after training, for recovery. Like we, this is only like our third or fourth year getting fed hot food after training. Um, and I actually remember like a few years ago, my my own brother was playing with the Cork, I think it was like Cork under 17 development squad or something at the time. Um, and I remember he used to be coming home from training and he'd have like his meal, you know, his hot meal. Um, and I'd be coming home from training at the same time and I'd be there like making my meal at home. And I'm kind of thinking like, God, like my, my 17 year old brother is getting fed properly and looked after after training. And like, you know, I'm there like at home trying to cook my, my dinner to get in my recovery and get the nutrients back into my body. So when you, when you compare it, yeah, like the injustice is there, like, but it's just you can't be kind of living like that, like either, you know, we're grateful that we have been fed now hot food and stuff over the last few years. And like, to be fair to Cork, um, the Cork County Board and things, you know, they do really look after us. Um, and WGPA and things like that have made massive progress in the sense of funding. But like, you know, it, it is like I, I won't lie, like it is, it is like heartbreaking in that sense that like when you when you add up, you know, I add up, I think I added up like just roughly how much I've spent to say like for petrol diesel or whatever since I've been playing like with the Cork seniors and like. I think it added up to like what nearly a teacher's salary would be like in a year, you know. And I know like that's over a good few years or whatever, but still, like that's like a whole year of teaching, like out of your pocket as well at the same time. But look, things are getting better, and there's no point in kind of complaining. Like small steps now, and and um, we're on the right track. We're really on the right track now, and like I would hope for like even my children's generation that like they will have like particularly for women like and girls young girls that they will have even more opportunity and they will have more funding and, and more equal opportunity to the men as well and you've been involved with Cork senior ladies footballers since the age 17 getting called in at the age of 17 did you feel any sort of pressure at the start yeah it was it was quite um thinking back now it was quite daunting would be the word um, I suppose I was only in fifth year in school at the time, so I was only 17 and I was still playing minor um, with Cork as well. So I was kind of brought up and um, 
like I it was a massive change like it's the intensity is so so different and I think like I think I was just kind of in awe really because I was like now getting to play with all of my role models and those who I looked up to like Angela Walsh, Norena Buckley, Bridge Corkery, Juliet Murphy, all of these girls that like I grew up wanting to be like and all of a sudden then I'm marking Valerie Mulcahy in the training sessions doing some blocking and I'm saying oh my god you know it, it, it was very daunting but you know what they were very welcoming and you know the older girls were like there and kind of figures to me as well and they really like looked after me um but it did it did challenge you as well because obviously it was a it was much harder intensity and you know you obviously had more commitment and you had more training and like things like that it was a big big step up um from minor from minor football as well but um yeah and I think that's important too like I think I know even now I'm like fast forward now and I'm like one of the oldies on on the team now and I see the likes you know of young girls coming up there um 17 18 19 20 year old girls that you know I I was once in their position so um it's kind of like the wheel has turned as well and you know, it's so important, like, as one of the older girls, now to kind of keep encouraging the younger girls and kind of, you know, pushing them to get the best out of themselves and kind of setting kind of standards for them as well um, so that they can kind of emulate, you know, the older girls and it can kind of roll into, like, a cycle then um, over time. But, yeah, no, look, I mean, I was only delighted when I was 17 to be called up to the panel and still on the panel um, 11, 12 years later, so... Um, yeah, I look, it's been great. Like it really has. Um, I really enjoyed. Like I, I love playing football and uh, the friendships you make and everything. Like football and uh, it's such a part of my life and it kind of mirrors my academic career as well and it mirrors like my future kind of career. Um, like I, I'm kind of hoping to go down the business route now and um, I'm hoping to kind of open up some avenue avenues in like the sport education kind of side of things. So like if it, if it wasn't if I hadn't played sport, I, I probably wouldn't be where I am now in terms of the PhD and kind of being so passionate about sport education and kind of promoting girls and women in sport. But um yeah, look, I mean, like really it's it, it is a massive change when you're a 17 year old girl, but you know, 10, 11 years later when you're looking back now. I'm just so grateful that I had that opportunity coming out to the park senior panel. Obviously, in the last few weeks, there's been huge heartbreak among Cork County and Bailey, and the late Eamon Ryan passed away. But how special of a manager was Eamon Ryan? Uh, he, Eamon will be sadly missed for sure. And um, yeah, Eamon was, oh God, I, I actually find it hard to put him into words sometimes because he was such a special man. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people can resonate with with Eamon and the the kind of type of man and the character he was. And I suppose really, in, like, he was just such a humble man and just really well respected in Cork, in the GA community, all over all over the GA community here in the world, to be quite honest. It was really like, it was just his true, like, just his passion, I think, for, for ladies football and his humbleness and kind of just humility. Um, he really just wasn't, he was just all about us and kind of never wanted attention there to be on him and just really kind of simplified things. Like everything about his his training was like simple. You know, we'd be doing such a simple drill, hand passing drill, but it would be all about like complete 100% focus, you know, giving it everything, doing it for each other. And he kind of just created that kind of 
culture of like, you know, just never giving up and kind of um, doing it for each other. And it was it was a very rare culture to be quite honest um and he re- he he brought that in um, and he kind of developed so like all of us really um not only on the pitch but like I would actually consider Avon as you know not only just my coach but like I he was a friend and he was a mentor to me as well um he always just kind of pushed you to be the best you can be both on and off the pitch and I think that's really important because he really like not only has he left such a legacy for ladies football and for sport, but I think if anything, you know, like I know I put up a quote on Twitter just kind of saying, you know, a good coach can change a game, but a great coach can change a life. And that quote means a lot to me because, you know, Eamon really did influence my life, my career, my football career, but also, you know, where I am now. Eamon plays a big role in that because he always pushed me and he helped me, you know, outside of sport and he had me at my Irish in college. He he lectured me in college um, in sport, in the sports studies course in UCC. Um, he always would check in with you and things like that. Even when he retired, like even when he when he retired from Cork Ladies, he'd still bring, bring you up and see how you're getting on. And I think that's just a true testament to the kind of person Eamon is. And I think loads of people can can really resonate and really kind of understand like you know what I'm saying now about about him and just really humble nice kind of kind-hearted man but really wise man as well like he was kind of a man ahead of, ahead of his time I, I always kind of think in terms of football his football brain but in terms of life as well he was kind of like a life coach to us as well you know he'd he'd always um have stories to tell and he'd always have kind of quotes to, that, that he used to share with us and there was always greater meaning behind those quotes and those stories and he'd always you'd always leave like a training session or you'd always leave a conversation with Eamon learning something like like kind of being in awe being like geez I, I need to look into that now or I need to think about that now he made you think um, but he, he never would have kind of just given you all the answers he kind of would put something out there he might comment on something and he'd leave you kind of come up with your own conclusions and I think that's why we were so successful because he trusted us and as a team as people he saw us as like people first and I think like just that trust that he he had for us um really kind of fed into the culture that we were kind of about that kind of successful culture at the time when we were winning all of those All-Irelands um and like that it does boil down to the culture like but that you know he he was the main man there like he instigated that culture he led by example there and you know we respected him so well that we wanted to you know we wanted to do it for him and like not only for ourselves and our families but you know we respected him so highly that we wanted to we were motivated to you know to to go that extra mile like for him and as well which yeah look he, he will be sadly missed um but he'll never be forgotten, like, and I think everyone, you know, will will really just appreciate, like, the time and, you know, the knowledge that we've gained from him. And, you know, I'm sure that, like, I would love, I would love to see something being done for him, like, even if it was like a tournament or something, or even if it was like a, a trophy or a cup or a blitz or something that we could just kind of, I suppose, give back to him, um, particularly in Cork, I think maybe the underage, maybe an adult competition. I just think, I feel that something needs to be done for him because he had such, like, 
uh, and important and I suppose positively impactful um you know experiences on, on on people in Cork and and all around Ireland so I do I would hope to, that in in the coming months or even in in the coming year when things get back to normal that we can kind of give something back like cause, because he was all about like giving all of the time like he hated the attention anytime the cameras would come he wouldn't want to you know he was all about the girls the girls the girls so I do think I, I would I would love to give something back to him and give for, for, for something to be given to the youth of generation coming up, giving back um, for Eamon, because I, I do think he had such, you know, he, he, he was one, some man for one man, as I always say, um, and he really touched like thousands of people. So um, hopefully, you know, even in the next year that something can be done for him because he really, truly was a great man and he will be sadly missed. <laughs> 2011 to 2016, you know, just in the panel, such a special time for Cork. And that final where I think you were 10 points down against Dublin and come back and win it. It must have been so special, but I suppose when you're new to the panel and you're playing with some of your heroes as well, Breach, Sack, Valerie, Mokai, Rena Buckley, and Breach Parker as well. Yeah, oh God, yeah. I mean, I look back now, even, you know, even when Eamon Ryan did pass away, sadly, like I, I was looking back on some of those photos and the memories and something we really did like have such great times like and yeah the medals it's great we won like you know a few all Ireland's in a row but it's just the memories that we made like that they will always stick with me and so I was young I was young enough at the time too so like I suppose it's like anything in life you know you you kind of don't fully appreciate something until it's gone essentially or until like you're out of it and you're kind of looking back and reflecting and you're kind of saying, geez, I, I wish I kind of, you know, fully even enjoyed that more, that year more or whatnot. But I know, look, I, as I said, I was just so grateful to be part of, of that winning success um, in 2011, 2015 with Eamon. And then when E. Fitzgerald came in, then that year, we actually won the All-Ireland that year as well. So like, to have six All-Irelands in a row, like I'm just so grateful. And, you know, I've learned so much as a player, but also as a person. Um, and to be playing with the likes of, you know, Breed, Breed Stack, Breach Carfrey, you know, Rena Buckley, like all of those girls, like really, you you learn so much from them, like even in training sessions, like particularly I remember like Breach Carfrey, like she'd be, she's just one woman who is just so determined and so like, you know, motivational and like she'd be driving you on with the training sessions and she'd be training as if it was an All-Ireland final and like that would just rub off you and, it was her energy, it was so contagious and some of the older girls as well just constantly kind of pushing yourself to get the best out of yourself and I think like looking back now it was just fantastic to be part of, of that setup as well. Um, I know I, I, was, I actually came on the panel in 2010 um, and we actually lost that year so it was the quarter final, um, I think it was Tyrone beat us in the All-Ireland quarter final up in Banagher and I'll never forget the feeling in the dressing room that day. Like it was only my first year. So, you know, obviously I was upset that we lost, but like I was kind of like taking it all in at the time as well. And I remember just the silence in that dressing room was just something else when they lost that day. And um, because they had done five in a row previous to 2010, they won five in a row. And then 2010, um, we lost the All Ireland quarter final. And it was like as if someone died. Like it was just. <laughs> the silence in that dressing room and I think that really opened my eyes to like you know just 
what had happened the following few years, just the determination and like I'll never forget Eamon, like how he brought us back together and how he lifted our spirits and how we all kind of just got in behind each other and kind of just supported each other and got back on track um, and then went on to win, you know, five in a row under Eamon and then the sixth one with Ethi when Ethi came in. So yeah, look, it was it's, it's really special, like and memories I'll always cherish. Um, and I'm just so grateful to be part of, of a team and like, you know, it's every girl's dream really to be running out under the tunnel in Crow Park and like getting to, to play and to win all Ireland with, with your um the people that you looked up to uh, when you were younger as well. So it is look it's again, as I said, the medals are somewhere in the cabinet, don't know where they are, but the memories will be cherished forever for sure. <laughs> This year as well, a great year getting to the final, but luckily you stayed up in the hotel for the all Ireland semi-finals, supposed to be in Paranel Park, moved across to Crow Park, Galway only given seven minutes for the warm-up. It was great to win it, but looking back on it, the way I suppose you were out on the pitch for longer, but when you look at it, do you think it's a disgrace the way Galway were treated? I suppose, yeah, like, I mean, obviously at the time, you know, when you're so focused with the game and everything, you're just focusing on the game and you kind of don't think about all those kind of organisational things. But I suppose looking back now, like, I know, like, it is very hard and, like, you know, you don't want to be pinpointing blame on any particular organisation or any person or anything or whatever. But, like, you know, I suppose you do kind of have to take into consideration the external conditions like with COVID-19 as well and with like obviously the weather was a massive um, you know decider for why the game was changed at such short notice as well but like I suppose you know I'm a big I'm a big um, advocate for like having a plan A a plan B a plan C and a plan D just in case things don't go accordingly and like I suppose looking back now you know perhaps you know like organisations or even you know just people should have had better plans um, in the sense that, like, look, if the game, there was a strong possibility, let's just say the game couldn't have been played in Parnell Park due to the weather. But, like, you know, Crow Park was actually available after the men's game anyway. So my question is kind of like, why wasn't it put there in the first place anyway in Crow Park? If Crow Park was available, why couldn't we have been scheduled to go after the men's game there anyway in the first place? Um, when you kind of look at it like that, um, I know it was just kind of a shambles with everything and look, that's life, sometimes things happen like at short notice and unexpectedly. Um, but yes, I do feel for Galway. Um, I do think that like, you know, an hour, like I think it was like two hours before, like not even an hour and a half, I think before kickoff or before throwing, um, you know, both teams were, were actually made aware that there was a change. Now, as, as, as you had mentioned, like we did stay up in Dublin, thankfully, we stayed up in Dublin the night before, so we did actually have that advantage. We were relaxed. We hadn't left the hotel yet. We were travelling together anyway in shuttle buses to, to Parnell Park or Co Park. Um, so, like, it didn't really affect us as much. Obviously, it's still not ideal because, like, nobody should be being told, like, an hour and a half before a game, oh, yeah, actually, your game is here and it's an hour, an, a half an hour earlier. Um, it, it does throw you off. So I can only imagine how Galway felt because some of them, I think, were travelling individually as well due to the COVID restrictions and stuff. So, like, obviously, it's kind of panic mode. It's easy to get the panic mode. And they did only have a short period of time to warm up, which, like, really, 
you know, you kind of question, could the game have been pushed back like another 15 minutes? I don't know, like it wasn't being televised. So like you, there are lots of questions um, to be answered really. Um, but I do think that people were very vocal as well after the game on like Twitter and social media. And you know what, like I sometimes with ladies football or with women's sports, like something bad has to happen in order for change to occur. But like that shouldn't be the case. Like even we shouldn't have to wait for like to be say badly treated by something or to be like, you know, for changes that last minute to be made, etc. Like, you know, it shouldn't have to come to that to for change or for like people to just express their anger or their frustration about x y and z but like you know what like i personally like i'm not like you can't really just pinpoint you know one person or blah 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 like look it is what it is and like what happened happened and like at the end of the day yes i do feel sorry for galway but like look i suppose realistically we're both kind of in the same situation anyway with the short notice as well um, but I wouldn't I, I would hope that like nothing like that would kind of happen again um, and I would hope that like just plans like you know planning is just key like have a plan A have a plan B have a plan C have a plan D and if none of those plans work then maybe just reschedule the game like you know like at the end of the day because it's player welfare the player's welfare should come first always regardless if it's a challenge game or if it's an All-Ireland semi-final like the player's welfare should always come first um, but I would just hope in future that you know, like things like that won't happen, and that like there will be kind of stringent uh, backup plans in place so that we can get on and just play football in without any you know add-on stress, etc. <laughs> and you got to the final this year, which was huge and obviously so enjoyable and probably so privileged to be playing this year under the current circumstances. You got the goal early on from Anya Sullivan. It looked like you might have caused an upset, but the Dublin machine kept on rolling. And it must be hard in one way when you when you reflect on the year, but privileged, I suppose, in another way that you got to play. Yeah, look, I mean, privileged in the sense that, look, the year that it was, um, like none of us thought we'd even be kicking a football with the way things were going so I think like just grateful that we had that opportunity now obviously it was a very different year and you know, our preparation probably wasn't the best as other years as every other team can can imagine as well like you know a lot of training on your own and gyms being closed and things like that um, and I know every other team and player was in that position so it was kind of challenging um, in that sense but look like we did have like there was there was only four games really like in the championship and uh, we were lucky um to get to the all Ireland and yeah like the first half really like we did we, we were on top of it and we were like when we did feel we were ready to go and uh we had all the hard work done um and I think like we just felt good and confident and yeah only Terry's goal like <laughs> you always want a goal in the first few minutes of, of a match to set you off on the right track and to be fair, we did, you know, it, it, it was a tough first half, but we did kind of keep tipping over and we were kind of, you know, we were on top in that sense. But I think it was just, I don't know what it was really that when I'm looking back on it now, but, you know, look, to be fair to Dublin, like they, they worked um, really well together and, you know, they worked hard and, and like, I suppose we kind of just, you know, we just crashed a bit in the second half. Um, I suppose it happens, like, you know, it's, 
sometimes you question are you better off going in at half time being two or three points down rather than you know being up um that's debate but really but um yeah I suppose look things just didn't go our way in the second half and um you know we probably didn't play collectively to our advantage either um we probably just made a few bad decisions that you know led to kind of big moments in the game as well um and you know maybe maybe the heads went down um coming towards the last five ten minutes um to be fair to Dublin like you know like they won and they were you know they, they played very well together and everything so um yeah, it was a tough one really it's kind of like a blur looking back at it now that like the first half, it, it was like as if it was just like two different matches or something. Mm. Like the first half was like felt like a, a completely different match to the second half. Um, but look, that happens. And like, yes, it is absolutely gutting, you know, especially this year with the difficulty in the training and everything. And obviously, when you're in an all-earn final, like the ultimate goal is to win, um, to bring you know the Brendan Martin Cup back. Like that's that's the ultimate goal. But I suppose you kind of really like. You know, when we've been there as well, you know, when we've won kind of consecutive All-Irelands and when you lose the All-Irelands, then it really kind of makes you like appreciate when you do win. And it kind of like it's hard when you lose because you're probably more harder on yourself and you're kind of like, you know, reflecting and thinking X, Y and Z. But it does kind of make you a stronger player and it does build up that resilience as well. And like you even see it with some of the Dublin players now, like the likes of Sinead Goldrick and the older girls that are playing with Dublin and you know they were the ones that were losing against us you know like five six seven years ago when we were winning the All-Ireland they were the ones on the other side of it so and now they're the ones winning so it's kind of like you know that's life I suppose as well and that's that's the joy the ups and downs of sport we'll say really that like you know as much as you you want to win like you can't win everything and you know that's Sometimes it, when you not when it knocks you down, like it, as I said, it builds that resilience, and it makes you the hunger comes even stronger for for next year. And you know, again, that's our goal now this year. Is look, we want to be back up in Crow Park, um, and we want to be bringing the Brendan Martin Cup home. <laughs> and I believe as well, you had a chance to go on an Olympic scholarship um, to America. Do you ever look back and say to yourself, why didn't I do that? Uh, I do and I don't, but you know what? Um, I'm glad that I made that decision because, like, I wouldn't, like, I'm so glad and grateful and cherish those memories of being part of the Cork Senior football team. And I think it comes back to that team environment. Um, like, before I actually started football, I used to do athletics, and, like, athletics is actually my first sport when I was younger. Um, I started football late enough. Like, I didn't start until I was about 12 I actually used to run before I played football and I continued running competitively up until I was about um about to college really. But I used to compete like competitively in all Irelands and would have represented Ireland and things like that as well in cross country. And I suppose that kind of that opportunity came kind of talks about a scholarship kind of I think it was Kentucky or someplace like that in America. Um kind of as I was finishing my leaving search but I had only just been brought onto the, the senior panel like the previous year and I was really enjoying the setup and really loved that team environment and I suppose like I was lucky because I kind of came into a team that had a solid foundation built up already they had already won five All-Ireland medals so you know I was coming into that successful kind of foundation 
and I was really enjoying football. So I just decided to, to stick with it. Um, now, I do love running. Um, I do love cross country. And when I do decide to retire from football, I will go back running um, competitively. I will go back, you know, to cross country and competing. Um, I think something like that, it's, it's always a part of me. Running is always a part of me. And, you know, it probably does stand to me in football sometimes too with endurance and things like that. Um, but I, I, my, my grow is still there for the athletics and I will go back. And then I won't, I won't be going over to America now or anything like that. But I will be um, running in Cork, doing some cross country and, and keeping that up. Because I think it's important though. I think it's important to have other like passions and have other hobbies and have other kind of sports and interests just outside of football as well. Um, because if anything, it can just, you know, there are other skills you can bring from other sports into football uh, and help you kind of, you know, enhance your own performance as well. Um, which, yeah, look, I mean, there's a reason for everything in life and like you have to go with your gut at the end of the day. And I'm a big believer in that. So I'm, I'm glad that I stuck with the football. And, you know, like if I if I hadn't stuck with the football and it's not, not just about winning the All-Irelands, but like even the direction I'm going right now with my career and my life, like and my passions, like, you have to question would I have even went and, and studied sport in you know a, a PhD level probably not so you, like uh, every decision you make I think in life leads you on to a new adventure and I'm just so grateful that I've had that adventure as well with the Cork Ladies Football. Well, thanks so many for your time uh, Order Framer.